Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. You are inappropriately dressed. Why do you say that? <laughs> uh, because once again, we interrupt your irregularly scheduled classic Doctor Who for another new Who episode. As my uh, Verity rewatch continues through series one, we have now watched the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances, which is a ninth Doctor story. And you, sir, are wearing a fez. I wear a fez now. Fezes are cool. I, I should also point out to our listeners that you did not put this on for the recording. You've pretty much been wearing it on and off for the last several hours for no particular reason, just because this is what we do. The only particular reason is because the fez, which I purchased from Egypt, this is a, a proper official fez. In, in Egypt. Not just from Egypt, in Egypt. In Egypt, mm -hmm. in Cairo. And it sits atop our DVD shelf. And I was um, looking at the TARDIS, which also sits in the top shelf of our DVD shelf. And I thought, oh, there's the Fez. I'm going to wear the Fez. Mm -hmm. So here we are, wearing the Fez. Yep, so he's making supper, wearing a Fez. Mm -hmm. Welcome to my life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I like my Fez. It's, I am not complaining. I, I, I love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Verity has dictated our recording schedule once again. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing that keeps us to schedule, actually. Mm -hmm. Well, sort of schedule, sort of. I mean, it's not regular in any way. No, but it, it is planned out mm -hmm. when Verity is going to do the episodes of Series 1 this year. True. Um, so by that, you know, because we're only one episode into Dalek's Master Plan. Yeah. I am sorry about that. I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching more. This has been a stupid crazy week schedule-wise. You know, the calendar is just booked pretty much solid. I have another recording to do tonight uh, for The Incomparable. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm afraid there will not be time for any more Dalek's Master Plan for a couple more days at least. But I am very much looking forward to getting back to it. That's good. We even ate supper while watching the first half of this story that we watched tonight. That's how busy we are. That's how much we have to cram mm -hmm. watching Doctor Who in these days. Yeah, usually I take notes, but I didn't even take notes. I just, for Verity, but I, uh, yeah, yeah I, I needed to eat. So I watched and chowed. We could uh, um, watch them during the daytime, but you work. Mm -hmm. I don't as much, but I am free to, I, I free to edit anyone's podcast <laughs> should they require it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I do. It's my job now, mm -hmm. I guess, is editing podcasts hey. for a little bit of money. That's a, that's a good job. And Hugo Awards. <laughs> Teehee. That's how that goes. Mm -hmm. So when was the last time you watched um, The Empty Child slash The Doctor Dances? Do you remember? I don't remember the exact date, but I do know that it was much more recently than I have watched the rest of these. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. When I first started mm -hmm. my, uh, my little blog which you can find at... Actually, I have redirected hollygodarkly.com, so you can just go to that. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, to get to my blog, which is actually called fangirlknitscarf.com because mm -hmm. I originally started it to knit the season 18 Tom Baker Doctor Who scarf and watch geeky television and blog about both things. And one of the earlier things that I watched while I was knitting and then blogged about was this two-parter, or... At least the first part. I know I did The Empty Child. I don't know if I ever got around to coming back to the Doctor Dances. I'd have to look it up to find out. How curious. Why? What, a, what, what uh, compelled you to watch uh, that out of the blue? Because you're sort of focusing on New Who a little bit, I guess. And B, what compelled you to not finish the story? Well, the reason I, I went for it is because I hadn't seen any Christopher Eccleston stories for a long time. And I remembered that I really liked this one mm -hmm. and that it was exciting so 
I watched the first part and I knitted and then it wasn't one of those like I didn't I knew I didn't have time to watch the second half right away and it was just one of those things where life kind of got in the way and I didn't watch any more Doctor Who for a while and I honestly don't know if I ever got back to watching the second part but I do have to say I like the first part better how come because there's a lot less overt sexual overtones ah, in the first part. I was going to ask about, so how did prudish Erica deal with this back yeah. in 2006 or whenever you saw it for the first time? Yeah, I, I mean, I love the story. I love the banter. I adore Captain Jack. I love the flirting between Captain Jack and Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I just, I, I don't like, I, I never liked a, a sexual doctor. And as much as I adore Stephen Moffat and think that his writing is some of the best in all of Doctor Who, this is the first time that we get such a, an overtly sexualized doctor, you know, basically admitting not in so many words that he has gotten around while he has... He's been. danced. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I always, I always appreciated the asexuality of the doctor as a character. You know, you don't you don't get a lot of characters like that, mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah, I, I honestly I felt like it was really <sighs> making the Doctor so much less interesting and more bog standard to make him just another creature in the universe that's you know subject to hormones from time to time, and yeah, that was a lot less interesting to me as a character. So, I mean, if I ignore that part of it, the whole plot and everything is really really interesting and i mean if it wasn't the doctor a character that i already had strong feelings about i I think that the the interplay between these three characters would also still be very interesting but there he is smitten for rose someone who's like 19 yeah which is really kind of icky when you think about it but on the other hand you know she's she has reached maturity for her species so, I mean, and I know that this is like, you know, Star Trek Voyager and Helix and Cass sort of a thing, but... Take a word for that, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she's only two or something, isn't she? Right, but for her species, she has reached uh, she has reached maturity. How did so. I know that? I never watched Voyager, yet I knew that. Probably from listening to Random Trek. Probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but honestly, that's how I knew it. Because I, I did watch Voyager briefly, yeah, but I had forgotten all of that. But thank you, Scott McNulty, for reminding me. Yes. Randomtrek.com, by the way, if you're interested in mm-hmm. checking out a great Star Trek podcast. Yes. Another another podcast on this fine, incomparable network. Comparable network. Yeah, they they uh, they got away with it uh, by calling it dances, the euphemism. But then I think they kind of laid it on a bit thick there for a good while, and the joke kind of got a little bit old. I thought anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, stop saying the word dancing in that tone. It was just, ugh, it was it was a little too much. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, okay. So if I if I can just erase that that <clears throat> portion of, of classic fangirl Erica and right. actually look at it with, with fresh eyes, they, they do interact very nicely. And I mean, I love at the end, I mean, regardless actually of the doctor, I love at the end when you see Jack basically we watch him fall for the doctor in that moment it's just like oh it's adorable oh is it oh i never actually noticed that mm-hmm. oh yeah because you know rose says uh i think captain jack would like to cut in and the doctor says oh yes like and they like they share a look i mean the doctor pretty much gives jack bedroom eyes to it truly and says you know yes he would but with who and that's what you mean like and then like and then you just sort of see the realization mm-hmm. come over Jack's face and he just, you watch him fall 
hard. And that's why he spends the rest of his many lives, you know, chasing the doctor every chance he gets. I totally miss those looks. And every time I've seen this episode, (laughs) I just thought this is a weird dance sequence that goes on Mm -hmm. far too long and is awkwardly cut in with dance double for Chris Eccleston. And and, and then it just sort of ends. It's always been the ending of this this story that has kind of made me go, eh. It's given me personally a, like, Mm -hmm. a... Less an enthusiastic response, but upon watching it, this is a lot better story than I give it credit for. Hmm. I can see why it's so loved. But it's the two things. It's the weird ending with sort of the dancing and just sort of like peters out and then just sort of ends. And of course, as I've said on every single podcast I've been on, the doctor shouting, everybody lives in the middle of an air raid. Uh, everyone in his v- local vicinity lived, but many people died at the exact time that he said everybody lives. Mm-hmm. So that always bothered me. Yeah. I mean... But looking at it sort of from the doctor's standpoint, he he understands the way the universe works. And at any given time, there's an awful lot of people and planets That's just true. dying. So this is one situation where so many times in the history of the doctor, we have him surrounded by a whole bunch of people that are taking part in the, the story that he is a part of who bite it, usually very mm-hmm. early. Uh, I mean, for Verity, we just watched... Um, and why am I blanking? What did we just watch? Spirit from Space. Yes, but that's not what I was thinking. Oh, uh, Father's Day? Nope. Dam- damaged Goods. I don't know anymore. <laughs> we did not. We read Damaged Goods. Yeah. Oh my God, so many people died in that too. But that's not what I meant. No, um, t- uh, the Lighthouse story. Horror of Fang Rock. Wow, my brain just, wow. Anyway, Sorry. Horror of Fang Rock, where everybody dies except yeah. for the Doctor and Leela. So it's, it's, the doctor has been through that a lot so just his utter elation at thinking that all of these people were goners and then suddenly being able to reverse that is i I can't blame him for just for just whooping it up because this is the you know the just post time war doctor and at this point i mean as far as we knew he was the time war doctor so so getting to experience something like this i love the line you know i need more days like this Mm -hmm. because he does I think it's a little meta by him saying just this once everybody lives. Cause it's almost like, you know, in a similar situation, it's kind of like Captain Kirk beaming back up to the Enterprise with the exact same number of red shirts that he beamed down with <laughs> and him giving a look to the camera thinking, hey, nobody died on my watch this time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the doctor expects people to die on his watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Which he does because he's had 900 years of it yeah. happening. Which, you know, and we, and you're right, it is a little bit meta because yeah. we know that is classic, yeah. classic Doctor Who. Which, but also that is a facet of his character that I think is kind of important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that little line, he imparted that information to the new viewing audience. Now, even if they weren't watching Classic Who, now they know this is a guy who has seen death, death, death. That's and it's true. a new thing for him to see it not be all death. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Speaking of meta, um, did you like the bits about doctor who and uh and spock mr <laughs> spock you like that you know i have i don't know how i felt about it the first time but i i enjoyed it this time because yeah. i mean the doctor who line has been used again and again and again mm-hmm. throughout doctor who history and you know we now know what a huge fanboy stephen moffat is so the fact that that he brought that in is not surprising at all and i think you know it's a, it's a nice little nod to the past and I don't know. I have somewhat mixed feelings about sort of dating 
Doctor Who, but I think Spock is just like it's universal. It is a universal thing, and that is not a cultural touchstone that's going to die anytime soon. No. So I don't feel bad about that. I think that that's that is exactly the kind of thing that Rose would bring up, that mm-hmm. she would compare him to, and yeah, I have no problem with it. There was uh, a line that was cut before the scene is recorded, which would have been even more meta and amusing. It's the line where he goes, you know, where it says, "Nice to meet you, Mr. Scott, uh, Mr. Spock," mm-hmm. and he goes off. Captain Jack does. And then uh, the doctor goes, Mr. Spock, or something. I says, what else do I call you? Doctor. Doctor Who. And then the doctor is supposed to say, I'd rather have Doctor Who than Star Trek. <laughs> that got cut. I'm glad that got cut. That would have been a bridge too far. <laughs> that would have been a bridge too far. But <laughs> at the time, it's almost like, you know, Star Trek kind of had the upper hand, despite them kind of petering out, actually, in 2003 with the movie franchise and Enterprise ending in, I think, the same year. But like, you know, this is Doctor Who trying to get its its bit back in the world of science fiction, you understand. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of neat that we got our own back. We <laughs> we won. We beat the bombs of Star Trek. Well, for now. <laughs> you never know. You never know what's gonna happen. The BBC yeah. could crash and burn and Star That's Trek true. Discovery could be the greatest thing ever. Which actually I'd be happy if Star Trek Discovery was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But so we can all enjoy the, the same mm-hmm. the same shows now. We don't have to pick sides as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Nope. There's enough for everybody. Um anything else about this story at all that you want to mention? Can we talk about Captain Jack some more? Yeah, what's about Captain Jack on? I don't know. I just want to talk about Captain Jack some more. This is I do think that this is my favorite. Like the beginning, the early Captain Jack is my favorite before he gets broody and angsty and, and right. you know, has millions of years to to, you know, heaped upon his shoulders. And I I had forgotten a lot of things. Like I had forgotten that I knew somewhere that there is a couple years of missing memory for him. I had forgotten that it was before this. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an interesting thing, which we have still never addressed at this point. Although I think maybe somebody told me it was maybe referred to at least in some of the the audios. Am I making that up? I don't know that, but Stephen Moffat has gone on record saying, you know what, after the fact now, given that he's lived like 5 million years, what's, Mm -hmm. what's two years? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's indifferent, so yeah. Right. That that does make sense. Yeah. Oh. Perhaps at the time they thought they might go back and in a later season and, and deal with that, but uh, then he decided to kill him and go off and form Torchwood and be immortal. So yeah, that changed. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. Still, like I would I would watch the the made for TV movie or hell made for the movie <laughs> theater movie right. that uh, that shows us what happened. I mean, yeah, John Barman doesn't look exactly the same, but. Pff, Screw that. It's close enough for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I, I think he is delightful as this roguish con man. I love him flirting with Rose. I love him flirting with the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And algae. And algae. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that was something that I remember appreciating right from the get go. I was like, yeah, go Doctor Who. Russell T. Davis's queer agenda here in a <laughs> Stephen Moffat episode. Yep. And the old guy who, uh, who owned the house having mm-hmm. a fling with the butcher. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just I I thought it was a, a nice touch to to bring the real world into Doctor Who in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good story. I like that one. I hope you give that one. I'm sure people will speak highly of it on the next Verity when you talk about it. I would not be surprised. Yeah, I think this is the first time. You know, I enjoyed Dalek, but this is the first time that I was swept up in a new series story the same way that I used to be when I was watching Doctor Who as a kid. 
or or classic Doctor Who as an adult. Now, is that you talking from 2005 or 2006, whenever you saw this first time, thinking, ah, oh, here we go, finally Doctor Who has arrived, mm-hmm. despite all this talk about kissing. Yeah, it was kind of like that I had mixed, which is why the first of these two is is my favorite. I just love it so much because it really did feel like it, the classic style in some ways, mm-hmm. just the, the adventure and the excitement and and the companion wandering off and all that stuff. All that stuff. I love it. Prototypical Doctor Who mm-hmm. in the first new series in the 21st century. Yeah, here, here. Here, here. All right, that's it. I guess. I'm sure I'll think of something else as soon as we hit stop, as often happens, but that's all right. Well, then you can mention that in Verity. See, Deb often gets annoyed by you sort of like, (laughs) you know, spoiling everything you say on the Verity podcast on this show. So Mm -hmm. we'll we'll say what other further thoughts you have for that one. And we'll get back to watching the Daleks Master Plan at some point in the relatively near future. Mm -hmm. Because that's an episode that exists. The next one we'll be watching. So... I'm so excited. Me too. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Bye. Bye.